Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the English with Grace podcast. This is a centralized hub for students, teachers, and English language learners to practice their English and listen to the differing opinions of other English speakers. The content and focus of this podcast will vary, and my goal is to introduce listeners to a variety of perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences as we discuss topics that are also presented in my English with Grace conversation classes. So I'm very excited to have you here. I hope you enjoy this discussion and of course like and subscribe if you like it and I look forward to seeing you in some of our upcoming conversation classes. Okay Lawrence we're going to start with introductions and then we're going to dive into I titled it vacations um, but you're going to tell us all about your trip to the Panama Canal. So first, uh, name, pronouns, and then can you give us a little bit of information about your cultural background and upbringing? Sure. Hi, Grace. Um, Thanks for having me here. My name is Lawrence Garber. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm from Michigan, which is Mm -hmm. in the Midwest of the United States. And I grew up there, um, lived most of my childhood there went to college there and culturally i would say very much like midwestern u.s culture yeah i actually was excited to hear how you answered that because some people would argue that michigan isn't midwest but then i'd say what are you east east coast yeah too far north it's a funny (laughs) it's a funny term because like there's the word West in it, but like the Midwest region is really in the central part of the country. Mm-hmm. And it's really like the North central part. It's kind of confusing. I think mm-hmm. it's from back when the U S was in its earlier days of history and the settlers were expanding out and like the Midwest was pre like their awareness of the Pacific ocean and stuff. Yeah. Don't quote him on that. Okay. Um great. And then this question is fun. How do you know me? We met because we were garden buddies. Did is that what they're calling that? it these days? Garden buddies? <laughs> I don't know. That just that buddy just popped into my head. But we met at grads in grad school. Yeah. And we um shared our garden plot yeah we had a a garden plot yeah and actually maria who has been on the podcast a couple times to talk about sustainability Mm -hmm. she will forever know me as um cilantro girl because we planted so much cilantro yeah that first year that was a great time it was excessive it was probably like three feet by three feet (laughs) like field of cilantro and I was so much cilantro doing my very best to like every single person I met whether it was a friend <laughs> or somebody off the street or random people in class do you, need like, do you need cilantro we got it and I think when we ended up harvesting it I'm like uh like an entire like if you imagine giving somebody a hug and yeah. like filling the space between <laughs> your arms with cilantro it was yep. at least that much cilantro by the end of the semester which now would be my dream. I mean, we were doing it right. Everybody yeah. loves cilantro. You can put it on everything. Yeah. What do yeah. British people call it? It's different in England, isn't it? Coriander. Yeah. Okay. I, 
I've never really known the difference because there's also they're the same. I think I think that they're, they're the synonyms. Same? Okay. <laughs> Let me double check. I'm just saying this because some of my students learn British English. So, you know, I'm trying to. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, coriander is also called cilantro. Nice. There we go. We had a coriander field. We had a cilantro <laughs> field. And we, I made a lot of salsa with it. I really like to make homemade salsa. Yeah, it was great. Actually, you know what? Full credit, Lawrence. I really, you know, grad school started and I... To use an expression, bit off more than I could chew. <laughs> yeah, which means I thought I, I yeah thought I could handle a garden plot even with you as a garden plot partner, and I yeah. basically just got consumed by grad school. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> happens to the best of us, and but that's so why grateful. we were a team. Yeah, now we're here, and now you're yeah. on my podcast. So I am so happy. <laughs> me too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So. I'm excited, though, because I want to talk to you about your trip. So you just got back from the Panama Canal, or when did you go? I went in February of this year. Okay. Yeah, so it's been a hot minute because now it's May. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's start with what is the Panama Canal, um, and why did you go? How was your trip? Yeah, so the Panama Canal is a waterway um, that connects the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean mm-hmm. and it allows for ships and b- big commercial ships but also private boats to pass mm-hmm. through every day all day 24 7 365 wow. um, and yeah there's um it's different from the Suez Canal, which is a sea level canal. So like when you're in, in the Suez Canal in Egypt, boats can just sail up the Red Sea and sail on through mm-hmm. the Suez Canal and then pop out in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Panama Canal has a system of locks, which raise the ships up three levels, almost like a staircase, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. like. I don't remember how tall they are, um, but like, I think that I think you go up like a hundred feet, oh, ultimately, wow. mm-hmm. um, something like that, maybe around there. And so you go up three levels, and then you cross an artificial lake mm-hmm. that was created from a dam. And then, by the time you say you're starting in the Atlantic Ocean side, you go up three levels of the city of Cologne. You go through the canal on your ship, and then you go back down three levels in Panama City, and then you're back into the Pacific Ocean. Wow. That's okay. Wait, let's go back. Did you go? Have you been to the Suez Canal? No. That's just just not. (laughs) Yeah, just comparing (laughs) and contrasting the various global canals that exist. (laughs) Great. Very helpful. Uh, Well, that sounds so. Did you go through it? Did you do it or were you watching it? I was on a boat. You were on the boat. It was my aunt and uncle. They have a sailboat um, Mm -hmm. and they retired and they moved onto their sailboat and they're sailing their boat from the United States all the way around the world. And so when you go around the world, you the quickest way to get around, whether you're a thousand foot ship or a 40 foot 
sailboat is to yeah. go through the Panama Canal because the other option would be to sail all the way around the tip of South America mm -hmm. um, and all the way back up. And that takes a lot of time and it's like dangerous down there and lots of wind and waves and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. When does their trip end? I, they don't really know. It okay. basically, their plan is to do it over the course of a few years mm -hmm. and take their time. So they're mm -hmm. not like sailing straight. They're stopping along the way in various mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. And the first stop when they left Panama they sailed their boat for 31 days straight through the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh and they God. ended up in French Polynesia. Um, mm -hmm. And um, the island chain is called the Marquesas. And that's where they are right now after leaving Panama. Wow. That is like my, okay, the ocean is one of my worst fears. Yeah. I've seen too many movies. Imagine... <laughs> 300 or not 330 days uh and the only thing you see is waves I know. Maybe, maybe some birds <laughs> um, <Me. laughs> and then a lot of other stuff that you can't see but it's there yeah like under the water exactly yeah wow okay so did they pick you up um we met up in this really really cool part of panama on the caribbean side called the um, San Blas Islands in Spanish, but okay. it's locally, it, the original indigenous name of the area is called Gunayala, mm -hmm. and the Guna people live there, mm -hmm. and it's a province, I believe, province, in mm -hmm. Panama along the coast, mm -hmm. and they have um, their own autonomy that they've uh, like fought for in the early mm -hmm. 1900s, and they have, um, they've done a, they've been able to preserve a lot of their original indigenous cultural practices, and you know live uh, more or less not as an independent country, but in like an autonomous relationship with the state or with the country of yeah. Panama. Wow. And it's really beautiful, and that's where we spent the first week of the trip was. In these islands on the Caribbean coast in oh. Gunayala. Cool. What language do they speak there? Um, well, they speak Guna mm -hmm. um, and Spanish. Most people are bilingual in Spanish and Guna? Yeah, hard to say. From my experience, we yeah. encountered people who were bilingual and we also encountered some people who only spoke Guna. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I was yeah. only there for a week. I was yeah. really interested to learn more about their culture, but it's a really, really cool uh, and beautiful place. Mm -hmm. and, um, a lot of just like rich cultural and language traditions that are still going strong, even though, you know, there was different levels of imperialism through the centuries mm -hmm. to, to um, hold it down. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh okay, I'm adding that one to my bucket list. So places I need to see. Yeah, you should. Um, it's it's kind of it's not hard to get to because Panama is not that big. Um, but there is a mountain chain that separates the coast between the rest of the country. So it's kind of like some rugged roads that you have to get to in order to get to the coast. Mm -hmm. And then I took a small wooden ferry speedboat 
out to the islands and my aunt and uncle were already on their sailboat on this little Mm -hmm. island and so we I basically had to tell the ferry boat operators which was just a small boat you know kind of what island to get to go to and there's something Mm -hmm. like 300 islands and some of them have similar names so long story short I thought we so I'm on this little boat describing how to get out to meet my aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. and we get to the place where the guide thinks that they're going to be and we're boating along boom 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 boom, looking at all the sailboats and I'm like ah that last one that must be it because this is the the last boat in the harbor so hopefully (laughs) this is my aunt and uncle who I'm I've flown across the country or the world to visit and lo and behold it was not uh them and so I'm like okay what do we do now oh no Um, thankfully there's cell phone service and whatsapp is a thing that exists love whatsapp yeah (laughs) I was texting my aunt and I uh she was able to take a picture of where she was just where she was of the of the island that she was at they all looked the exact same to me as a visitor who had just arrived yeah but I showed it to the boat driver and he said ah yeah yeah okay I know where that is oh my god (laughs) we were like three islands over or something like that um okay and then so finally after like an hour of crossing um a good part of the ocean and going to several different islands looking for my aunt and uncle we reunited and I was able to board their boat and (laughs) spend the next two weeks with them okay so this guide took you to your aunt and uncle or your aunt and uncle had to come find you the guide the boat driver took us to them okay okay yeah wow yeah uh there's always a story when you travel like this so yeah yeah and I didn't really know the rules I was under the impression (laughs) that this was gonna be easy that I could just kind of show up at the beach and you know enjoy yourself well (laughs) they it turns out that they have a pretty robust system of tracking um tourists because uh you know they just want to like any nation they want to understand who's coming in and out of their Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, country or their state so um yeah the we ended I ended up figuring out the system and then working within the system so okay there you go (laughs) that's the goal yeah (laughs) so once you got to your aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. from um that island how long did it take you to get to the Panama Canal or were you like right there we were like maybe 50 to 100 miles away and the plan was to spend a few days just sailing around that island chain because it was it's just a really really beautiful place Mm -hmm. um lots of beautiful beaches and coral and snorkeling and um it's really nice uh and just really interesting to learn more about the guna culture and so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of folks that we met and you know hung out with them to learn more about Mm-hmm. what it was like to live on these islands yeah um, so that was how we spent the first maybe five days or so okay okay well let me jump into our second question yeah during this trip or before that did you learn any interesting facts about the Panama Canal that you'd like to share besides the cool three layers of 100 feet <laughs> to get through the canal yeah um 
when I was in high school, I read this book called The Path Between the Seas, which is a mm -hmm. very popular history of the Panama Canal written by a famous historian by the name of David McCullough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> and that's the one. And so that was, uh, you know, from the perspective of the United States, um, the United States basically um, was the one, was the country responsible for the construction of the canal. Um, and it's all related to the history of Colombia and Panama. Mm -hmm. I don't pretend to know all of that history, you know, very well, but I definitely recommend that everyone checks it out because it's a really interesting history. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that what I learned when I was reading the, another book called Erased, which is called The Untold Story of the Panama Canal. That was a book that was written by a historian named Maritza Lasso. And mm -hmm. she writes about the history through the Panaman Panamanian perspective, um, which I thought was, was really, really interesting to read about that history while being in the place. Um, and also to contrast that with the, the United States American centric version yeah. which is but you know different from the panamanian version so mm -hmm. um that one's called erased yeah yeah erased and basically what's those. cool what the author does is talks about how the area where the panama canal is mm -hmm. because it's so narrow for for many 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 centuries it has been a center for trade you know going back yeah. to indigenous time, but then in particular when the Spanish came and colonized much of Central and South America, mm -hmm. the trade, for example, from Peru and South America, much of that would go to Lima, get on a boat in Lima, then go up the Pacific Ocean, up, up the coast, and yeah. then to Panama, and then they would unload their cargo and carry the cargo by mule or by people walking potentially across mm -hmm. this narrow strip mm -hmm. and then you would they would reload their cargo on a ship um, on the Caribbean side and then take all of their plundered stolen you know resources from the Incan Empire back to Spain and so oh. that was like for centuries it's been like a major trading route even you know yeah. before the the Panama Canal was constructed so that that was one part of the book that I found really interesting was the history of this mm -hmm. place so very often you hear about the Panama Canal and it starts maybe in like the 1870s when the mm -hmm. French first start to be interested in developing a canal there but this book goes yeah. further back and tells the story of how there were there was a rich history of trade and a local culture and mm -hmm. towns that were already existing and then when the Panama Canal was built, those towns were actually destroyed um, and a bunch of people were displaced. And so that's the yeah. of the book. Okay. I definitely need to read that because I, of course, only know the U.S. version, the U.S. side of the story. Yeah. It's always important to seek the other side of the story. Uh, so I'll, I'll check that out. And then I'm going to link both of the books that you mentioned in the... Which one did you already send to me? Just so I can keep them straight. 
erased was the one. You sent me erased. Okay. Yeah. We're leaning towards that one. <laughs> yeah. I'll put that one first. <laughs> yeah. The critical lens. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. important. Yeah. Um, okay, great. And then uh let's see, what was my next question I wanted to ask you? Oh, what are, in your opinion, the best ways to visit the Panama Canal? Um, and are there any must-see attractions? in the area or must like must do's yeah well if you can do it on your aunt and uncle's sailboat <laughs> I, recommend, <That's> key. <laughs> I recommend that first mm-hmm. um no well and i think there are also ways there are um cruise ships that go through okay. that are not even super big like smaller boats mm-hmm. um, and and that's one way to experience it going through, I think, is, of course, if you have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I recommend that. The, the other place that you can go and see the locks um, on the Panama City side, on the Pacific side, it's actually really close to the city. It's maybe just like a 20-minute drive or something like that. And they mm-hmm. have um, a visitor center and, like, an observatory. Mm-hmm. Um where you can almost like a stadium like you sit in these and watch and watch the ships go by and it's mm-hmm. all built up for tourists and there's a museum there and it's very very much like a tourist center and destination and mm-hmm. I think, and really cool i only saw that from the from the boat, boat? itself we like right. wave at the people who were watching us go through um, but I think that would be a really fun way to see the canal mm-hmm. without, if you don't happen to have your own boat. <laughs> if you can't go, if you can't go through it, through it, you can just go watch the boats go through it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is so cool that you got to do that. Uh, do you know, like, is it free to just go to this observatory? Good question. Um, I don't think it's free. I think it's like $15 or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And is it free to go through the canal? No. Is that expensive? I I learned that the big commercial ships, these like thousand foot huge boats that, you know, travel the world and carry all of our goods from all the different places, Mm -hmm. um, pay like a million dollars to go through the canal. Holy cow. Yeah. So it's a really big source of revenue for the Panamanian government. Okay. That, okay, that leads into my fifth question. But wait, let me go back first. Did you, like, do people like your aunt and uncle have to pay, but just less? Yeah, not a million. It's less. (laughs) It's a lot less. Can I talk to your aunt and uncle? Do they want to take me to the Panama Canal? (laughs) Yeah, next time they do it. Um, Be a sponsor for English with Grace. (laughs) Significantly less. Yeah, maybe you could take your listeners on a tour if they, um, you could have, like, a raffle or something, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Top, top 20 listeners to this podcast that would be great into a drawing that would be great mm-hmm. just email grace She'll yeah. Get you on <laughs> yeah there you go i love it <laughs> um okay so every boat that goes through has to pay some type of tax yeah fee, whatever you want i don't know if it's per ton or per mm-hmm. foot or yeah foot. okay yeah um well speaking of the cruise ships though that is the one thing i remember from history lessons is like seeing the ones that look like they're not going to fit yes were you did you see any i mean i know you were going through the line but were you next to any big boats or just the tiny sailboats we were next to big boats in the lock itself 
So they, yeah. they're all about efficiency, of course, because they uh -huh. want to get as many boats through yeah. in less in as little time as possible. Mm -hmm. So we were partnered up. It's all very, very well orchestrated and coordinated and there's a schedule. And we had um, a professional pilot on our boat to oh, really? required to have them so they could advise us on like where to go. I mean, there's only one way to go. You go straight. But, yeah. you know, like when exactly to enter the lock, for example, okay. like he was on the radio being, you know, talking to the official canal authorities, mm -hmm. giving us advice to say, okay. Yes, you can go um, or stop or turn left or turn right um, or go faster. Okay. Like okay. Yeah. Was that part really nerve wracking? Like difficult? So only it, it was, but only mm -hmm. a few times because my job was to handle the ropes at the front of the boat. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And I know nothing about sailing, by the way, but, you know, right? if somebody told me to handle the ropes, I feel like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Fun fact um, for sailing vocabulary that even English speakers might not know is yes. on a boat, you call a rope a line. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing. And then I was on the bow of the boat, which is the front of the boat. Mm -hmm. And my job was to, th um, there were, so the boat has, you know, the front and the back mm -hmm. and there's the two sides of the canal on the right and on the left. So mm -hmm. there are four people that are the canal workers that are up on the walls of the either side of the canal okay. and so there's four of them two in the front two in the back and their job is to throw you a rope which has a metal ball tied to the end of it and they call it a monkey fist okay and it's like a steel ball so that they can throw it but that also means you need to like not get hit in the head or have anything damaged from this steel ball so, so they would throw that to the boat and then you would avoid it, but you'd also need to grab it really quick. Right. And then attach that steel ball to another rope. Okay. This is kind of getting into the details. Basically, no, it's okay. This is great. I'm like, I can see it <laughs> in my head. <laughs> okay, good. Basically. And then, so that would make the connection between the boat and the wall. And so you can imagine when you enter the lock, it's like a bathtub. It's empty. It has mm -hmm. some water in it, but it's not full. And so mm -hmm. you're in the lock and then the door closes and then they start to fill up the bathtub. And so okay. your boat is slowly, 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 slowly rising as the mm -hmm. water is slowly rising. And in front of you is this other massive ship, like, yeah, I don't know, a hundred feet tall or something like that. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Like 800 feet long. Yeah. And it's also slowly, slowly, slowly rising. Mm -hmm. And you're connected to the wall by a rope. And in order for that rope connection to maintain to so you don't move around, mm -hmm. I was slowly pulling in the rope like hand over hand over hand over hand so that the whole time, the, the whole time, so okay. that the distance between the boat and the wall stayed the same. Does that make Got sense? Got it. Yeah, because we're like okay. floating up to the next level and then up to the yes. next level and you're in charge of what were your yeah. aunt and uncle doing? My aunt was doing, was in charge of the ropes in the back and okay. my uncle was driving the boat. Okay. So everybody had their role and could you have done this with just two people? No, you, yeah, you needed three. By law, you need four actually. Oh, did you have four? We did. We had my aunt and uncle's friend who. Okay. 
Okay. And then we had a, there were two professionals with us, two Panamanian professionals who did that for their full-time job. Oh, okay. So if you don't have enough, they'll provide. Yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. how much time once you're in the, or you're calling it a lock. So the lock yeah. is like. Yeah. Um, the lock is like the thing that you go up and down in that the okay. water goes up and down. Cause you're, like technically, you're technically locked into this area. You are. Yes. Oh, how scary. Okay. So then how long, once you're in the lock, did it take you to get through the canal? So each lock, there's three up and three down. Each one, you're maybe in there for like 30 minutes. Okay. Um, wow. And then they're right in a row. They're right next to each other. So you go yeah. up three, one, two, three. But then the, in order to get to the other side, that's that took like eight hours of using the engine to go oh okay. we were on a sailboat but it also has a, a diesel engine mm -hmm. motor mm -hmm. and so we were just using that um because you also have to keep up with the other big ships yeah in some places the the canal is really narrow yeah and you have to like follow in the exact path so that you don't mess anything up this is <laughs> so not so something like, i could do <laughs> This so sounds like too much stress. World trade. Well, yeah. you know, do you world remember? World trade, so we don't mess up world trade. <laughs> I am joking, but last year, speaking of the Suez Canal, last year yeah. or two years ago, I don't remember, yeah. there was a boat that got sideways in the Suez Canal. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, so I was going to ask, like, yeah. how common is it? I mean, this sounds like everybody's got to be with it and know what yeah. they're doing yeah. and it focused. A, a full on professional operation like <laughs> do you feel so cool now that you've done it you're like wow I went kinda <laughs> you should uh, yeah yeah uh, I yes. feel like I was I feel very like lucky to have had that experience, have that experience yeah. yeah once in a lifetime probably well maybe not you can go back but um know. it'll be there yeah so yes the Suez Canal I know what you're talking about but I yeah I was gonna ask you what happens if like a boat you know doesn't do it right just the whole thing gets backed up. Uh, yeah, if I don't know. I mean, thankfully that didn't happen to us. Mm -hmm. uh, but I imagine people would be upset. <laughs> it would probably back up the whole schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll do a little more research on that. And I, um, well, yeah, like you said, I didn't realize that it was such an efficient system. I mean. I shouldn't okay. have assumed that, but you have yeah. to be there at certain times and make sure you know what you're doing. So um, I, I'm sure that it would be a problem if somebody messed it up. Uh, okay. We already kind of started talking about this, but my last question before we get into quotes, idioms, expressions, um, how has the Panama Canal impacted the economy and the culture of Panama? And if you don't know the answer to this, that's okay, but. I think in a big way, I think culturally, Panama, like I said, has always been like a, at the center of world trade, mm -hmm. continues to have that like cultural and economic identity. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know all the statistics and stuff, but I do know that the canal has brought a lot of, um, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but it's brought mm -hmm. a lot of trade um, because a ton of the world's goods have to pass through. Yeah. Um, yeah. The question is who benefits from 
all of the money. Yes. And I do know that there is, you know, uh, an unequal benefit, of course, in Panamanian society of who gets to see all this money that's flowing through and who does not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you mentioned how much like some of these trade ships have to pay, I, that was what I was thinking. I was like, so where is that money going? Is it just right. to the upkeep of the canal? Is the whole country of Panama benefiting? Are other countries benefiting? I mean, I imagine it's all like world trade, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's a question that I think you could explore very yeah. deeply. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. That's the goal. This podcast just opens the door to questions. Yes. <laughs> so, we don't have all the answers here. But we we, don't. we have I, questions for sure. I very rarely have the answers, but I can give you some questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then before, actually, I want to ask you if you have anything else you want to share, Lawrence, as you reflect on your trip before I ask you for your quote or your expression. Just that everyone should visit Panama if they can. Yeah. I think it was a, it was a really great and beautiful mm -hmm. country. And I only got to visit the one little part. Yeah. Or two uh, parts kind of. But. Right. Did you um, get to use your Spanish? Yeah, I did. Quite a bit. It was really fun because my aunt and uncle don't speak very much at all. My uncle, barely any. And my aunt, she was doing a great job. She was trying. Mm -hmm. and um but I ended up interpreting quite often especially because you know they were on their sailboat and they had been yeah. anticipating this adventure for like a year mm -hmm. and when you're on the Caribbean side um we had a quite a bit of time a couple days before our our scheduled date to go through mm -hmm. and so during those days we did some projects on the sailboat like for example we um there was a sail um maker a sail repairer mm -hmm. somebody whose job was to repair sails mm -hmm. and this person didn't speak english and we had you know a pretty uh we had our specific deadline we had our budget we had what we wanted to do and so there were uh, so I acted as an interpreter and that was just one example. There were many, many examples yeah. like that where, um, you know, there was some sort of project that needed to happen. And so I helped, um, yeah. helped facilitate that. That's always fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Actually, that's definitely one of the highlights of my trip because I hadn't been to, let's see, I guess the last time I was at a Spanish speaking country was in Spain mm -hmm. before the pandemic. Um, oh, wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, in twenty nineteen, mm -hmm. and so it was nice to um, immerse myself again in in the language. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I forgot to mention that you also speak Spanish, Spanish and English, right? Do you speak other languages? I speak a little bit of um, Sierra Leonean Creole, which is a English pidgin language, which is a kind of like a hybrid English fusion with mm -hmm. some other languages that's spoken on the west in the west african country of sierra leone yes and i should have done this at the beginning why do you speak that language why do you know why do i why do i know creo <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i taught as an english teacher in sierra leone um mm -hmm. at a middle school mm -hmm. um in 2012 and 2013 2014 so cool every time i talk to somebody who's traveled or like speaks multiple languages i'm like oh gosh i gotta go again i gotta get out of here <laughs> let's go let's go let's go to, let's go to panama yeah 
All right. We'll talk. We'll talk after the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Lawrence, last part. Uh, Do you have a quote, an idiom or an expression related to this topic or just one that you like or enjoy for my listeners? Hmm. Well, one just popped into my head. I don't know if it relates to this topic. I'm sure we could make it relate because that's a fun thing about idioms. Exactly. But the the expression or the idiom is, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Oh, I love that. Maybe that's just a quote. I think it's an idiom. (laughs) If you have, well, because there's there's an idiom related to that. I think that might. So if you have a if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Okay. So explain it, and then I'm going to use an idiom related to that too. Perfect. So you know the lesson is. Um, we all have our tools and knowledge and skills and experience that informs our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a reminder to um, examine our biases, examine our our past experience, and just be critical about the world mm-hmm. and um, and think about it's just a I think it's a a reminder to pause um, about, you know, different decisions or uh, maybe in your professional workplace, maybe you are a construction worker and mm-hmm. it's a literal, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, you're I've doing been, great. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about it at work lately. Uh-huh. Where, um, if, you know, if, if you have a, if you're a specialist in something, mm-hmm. somebody's asking that you, um, you know, say for example, you are a teacher mm-hmm. and you are asked to um, solve a problem, you might use your tools in a positive, in a great way um, and solve the problem like a teacher. But yeah. maybe if you were to pause and think, let me, let me think about solving this problem as a scientist or an engineer or, you know, another skill set. So mm-hmm. that's one, one example I think of how you could use the- yeah. I like that one. And I would say that's an expression. Sure. If you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail because I think you can literally translate that. Yeah. Whereas an idiom, I would say it's like, wait, what does that mean? Like when pigs fly or whatever. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the idiom I'm thinking of is to hit the nail on the head. There you go. Okay. So just, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So which is using the same like things, but like to hit the nail on the head, you have a hammer and then you have the head of the nail and then it's like to hit the nail. Yeah. Like you, you got it. You did it correctly or whatever. You nailed, you nailed Lawrence, it. I don't know. I don't teach you. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. There's so many related to like hammers and nails. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have don't to know. study the history of that. Definitely. I'm sure there's More- some. More questions than answers. Yeah, more questions. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, Lawrence, this is great. I now am really excited to visit Panama. This is a country I don't really talk about that much. I don't know why, but uh, definitely going to add it to my list of places to visit. You should. And whenever you need recommendations, you know how how to find me. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I hope you come back. I'm thinking, I'm already thinking of things we can discuss because this is so much fun. Sounds great. Thank you for having me.
All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the English with Grace podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did like this episode, please go ahead and like and subscribe and keep an eye out for more episodes coming soon.